Agents Podcast. Welcome to the Lab Code Agents Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Lab Code Agents Marketing Center. The LCA Marketing Center is designed specifically for the real estate world. It's a design center for marketing that has templates created so you can just plug and play. From flyers, postcards, buyer presentations to open house signs and Instagram posts. Check it out for free for seven days at lcamarketingcenter.com. LCA Nation, you are in for a treat with this week's episode of the Lab Code Agents Podcast. Tristan and Nick had the chance to talk with Ryan Surhant, mega New York agent, best-selling author and TV personality on Million Dollar Listing New York. Ryan shares great insight on how to sell more real estate from his best-selling book, Selling Like Surhant, and his ideas apply to every agent in every market. So let's get started. Hey, Lab Code agents. We've got a special guest today with us. Obviously, you know him, Ryan Surhant. His team has been named by the Wall Street Journal Real Trends as the number one real estate team in New York for the last two years in a row and the number two team in the country selling $1.6 billion in real estate over the last two years. Now, obviously, you've seen him on Bravo, uh, the Million Dollar Listing New York. And he also released this book that we're all reading here, obviously, in the book. He talks about his successes and his struggles as a real estate agent. Really good book. His favorite color is purple. And he's speaking at Hyperfast Agent in D.C. in November with us. And all the links to follow him and to buy his book are right below. Ryan, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Yeah, Thanks happy for having me. What's the name of the book, Tristan? You forgot that one really important. I, I, I looked it up, man. Here, sell it like Serhant and spell I, it S-E-R-H-A-N-T, which I learned after yes. I screwed up your name on Instagram. Did so. you just oh, spell classic. it like Serhant too? Yeah. I spelled it like Serhant. Yes. So both Tristan and I read the book and we have a ton of takeaways Oh, good. And a ton of questions, so we hope you have about six hours to answer all of them for us. Let's do it. Let's, Let's get do into it. it. Oh, I'm excited. I mean, listen, we, um, I don't know if you guys know, but I recently, like I wrote the book, came out last September, we did really, really well, way better than I ever thought. I thought like some brokers in New York would get it and read it, but it's been like four brokers in New York and then people from all over the world kind of wanting to learn how, how you sell in New York City and applying that to how you sell anywhere else. And then I, I did a, a an online course for it where I just really took a big deep dive into how to sell, how to begin a real estate career, how if you're a vet, how to come around the corner, how to make more money, how to structure your day, like all the stuff that for the most part, when I got started, right, there weren't Facebook groups in 2008. And if there were, I didn't know about them. I mean, there weren't areas like this, like you guys helping people out. And so I never had that. So I had to learn how to sell real estate in one of the toughest markets in the world on my own. And so I put all that into the course. And so, uh, you know, I, I've seen what it's like to build a Facebook group because I have one for for members and it's and I've looked at yours as kind of like a case study of, wow, one day in time, I might be as cool as those guys. So it's, it's actually <laughs> cool to be doing a webinar for you guys here. Dude, I appreciate that. That's super that's kind super of nice. you, man, but That's super nice of you to say. We wish we were as cool as us too. So yeah, <laughs> we're not there yet. Yeah, we're almost there, hopefully. <laughs> so uh, we got a ton of questions. Tristan, kick it off, man. What, what do you want to know from Ryan? My favorite, my favorite chapter of your book, and I'm going to start with the book, Ryan, uh, was chapter five. It was the seven stages of selling. Yeah. And uh, up until that chapter, I was like, you know what? This is good. It's great content. I love the stories. 
But that did it for me. That chapter five stood out so much because I've been in HM for 15 years and I thought nobody, nobody had ever really put it out like that. Like stage one, excitement, stage two, frustration. And then I started seeing how you started addressing that later in the books. Like, hey, guys, team, somebody over here is on stage, what was that? Stage four, which is disappointment, right? And I love that. What my question to you is on the stages, do you train your team and everybody that comes in on, hey guys, these are the stages and this is how we're going to communicate so that everybody understands where everybody's at? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think... A big reason I, I wrote the book was not for the easy deals, right? The person you meet on the street who then says, oh, you know, Nancy, oh, yeah, we're looking for a two-bedroom as well. And then you show them things on Sunday and they want to make offers right away. That's not what the book is for, right? Because those deals will come to you by default the longer you're in the business and the more you talk about yourself as a real estate agent. But I wrote the book and that chapter specifically for the dead deals. And I saw a lot of deals dying for myself, right? I was dropping a, I had a lot of balls in the air and then I dropped them all. And I, and I couldn't figure out why I was losing people. And I saw a lot of team members losing deals like oh no they got frustrated they pulled the plug oh no they were super disappointed in in the outcome of the 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 best and finals that we had um and the sellers decided not to sell anymore right or oh they they were so excited and then i don't know what happened they they got really sad the next day and now they don't want to do the deal anymore and uneducated brokers on the process of the psychology of the sale then don't know what to do. They don't like confrontation. They don't want to lose the clients. And so they they just start siding with them right away. Like, oh no, I understand, I understand, I understand. And so then deals start dying. And so I wanted to figure out like, just kind of like a doctor would, what, what process can I take? What action plan can I put into effect so that with every client, for the most part, right? 95% of the time, I know exactly what feelings they're gonna have. And now sometimes they'll go straight to excitement because they're getting a steal of a deal and they want to sign it in two hours and that's great. Okay, perfect. But most times in most markets, like what we're in now, where not everything sells in a heartbeat and not every buyer gets what they want and everyone's spending a lot of money and not everyone's getting as much money as they thought they were going to. If you can anticipate what your client is most likely going to feel next, you can give them the right dialogue, the right lines, the right keywords, the right type of email, the right type of pat on the back so you can not lose that deal, right? So like in most deals where people get really, really, really excited because they get that accepted offer, I know in the back of my mind, I've done this enough. I know these stages. Frustration is going to come next, right? And or disappointment because then they're going to start having buyer's remorse and they're going to think about it. Oh, oh, is this the one we want to make an offer on? Oh, shoot. Uh, let's go back online, right? Oh, there's a commercial for Redfin. Maybe we shouldn't be using Ryan. Huh, maybe he's just trying to broker us. Maybe that's what's going on because that's what happens. And so I go after that feeling from the get-go so that when they start having those feelings, it's expected for them. And they say to themselves without ever even saying to me, Ryan told us we would feel this way. Right. It's the same thing like when you go into when you do home inspections, right? Like I tell buyers when I go into any home inspection, just so you know, to set expectations, this home inspector, their job is to find problems. So do not be surprised if your home inspector comes out with lots of problems in the house. That's what they're supposed to do. If they don't, 
awesome, but there's probably going to be some crazy problems and we'll handle them as part of the deal. You see that one little line, it takes two seconds to say that to somebody. Now the expectations are set. Now that fear and disappointment phase that they have when the home inspection report comes out and they're like, oh my God, there was water damage in 1979. I can't buy this house. <laughs> that conversation now doesn't happen because you set the expectation ahead of time and you got ahead of one of the next stages. So all of that is why I, I wrote that section. And I do teach it to my team. I try to make sure everyone is aware of it all the time. And what's funny enough is once I put the book out, my clients started reading it and they, oh. they started coming back to me. They're like, so what stage am I in right now? So, <laughs> so Ryan, that, re- that kind of brings me, that's a great segue to one of the questions that I had because I love this, this quote, working with buyers is a process of elimination, not a shopping spree. Hands down, one of the best ways to compare what it's like with when agents are really buyer heavy, right? You hear agents all the time, oh man, I'm showing this person 50, 60 houses. And you have some chapters in the book where early on in your career, you actually made that mistake. Yeah, and you're very that. clear to say, listen, I don't do that anymore, right? So you're setting expectations about what they might go through in terms Everything. of emotions. How are you setting expectations to say, listen, you don't need to see every house on the market. How are you sitting down with them and really drilling down what their needs are? Yeah. I mean, a couple of different ways. I guess first, if you're watching this right now, open up a separate tab on your browser and go to ryansirhant.com slash course and download the greatest sales course in the history of the world the to, to answer that question. You know, in New York City, one of the things that I've learned a lot, and you deal with a lot of people in the finance sector here, there's a lot of bankers, right? I'm dealing with Wall Street, a lot of really wealthy people. Like if I want to invest money, I don't meet the banker at Starbucks and then he takes me around to a couple of different companies I should invest in, right? That's not how it works. No, he wears a suit, he wears a tie or she wears a nice dress. She, she looks nice. We meet at an office, we sit down and they walk me through a strategy. And it, so it always kind of blew my mind when I got into the business on the buy side, like, why am I meeting these people on the street? Why am I meeting them in open houses and then just running around with them? Now, granted, you have to do that for some clients, okay? So everything is an improv. Don't take everything I say as like the Bible um, because most clients are going to be different. Some people are going to want to move different ways. But most of the time, and that's what the book is for, that's what my course is for, people are going to react the same exact way. And when you take the initiative to be proactive, right? My two favorite words, initiative and proactive, and you ask somebody to sit down and let's look at the home buying process and let me tell you how this is going to work. You set the expectations for the process. That way, it also helps you to close because another issue a lot of people have, and you see it everywhere, is I, I'm great with people. I, I, can, I can show houses all day long. I just don't know how to close. How do I close? I, I showed this person 60 houses like you just mentioned, and and I can't get them to make an offer. It's because you never discussed it up front, right? So if you start with somebody and you say, let's, and you say the same thing that you just said, and you say, listen, buying a home is not a process of selection. It's a process of elimination. You'll be able to set the expectation for them where we say, okay, what do you want? Now let's look at the realistic landscape of the marketplace and this town and that cul-de-sac and that block. And let me show you what I think is really available. And you can do it from your computer. You can do it from your phone. And you set those expectations and you start cutting out groups of homes. Ah, okay. So a two family won't work for you. Got it. Ah, okay. You do need a true third bedroom because you have a kid on the way or you're expecting. 
perfect. Yeah, let's not look at the two bedrooms you said you would be okay with because you're not going to like them anyway, right? Or, ah, okay, you do need a really back, big backyard because you have 17 poodles. That's crazy and aggressive <laughs> for any poodle lover. Let's cut out the houses that don't have backyards, even though you say you're okay with it. I don't think it's going to work. So you cut down and it's a process of elimination. So by the time you actually go and see houses with them, you have a great handful that are like real contenders. And you tell them what we're going to do is then we're going to go see those houses. And then we're going to talk about which ones you want to pursue. And when you say pursue, that reminds people about like dating. Uh, yeah, I want to pursue her or pursue him. Uh, pursuit sounds awesome. And I don't use the word buy or make an offer because that freaks people out. Right? Make an offer. Oh my God, no, I can't do that. I don't have my good faith deposit. Oh, I have to sign a contract. What do I have to do? It freaks people mm -hmm. out. Well, pick a house that we want to pursue first. Use that word. That's a, it's a cool like keyword. I use it a lot and it just makes it a much more adventurous process to help them find a home and then close them than being a standard closer, right? Which just doesn't work in 2019. I love that term because it's almost like a chase. Yeah, right? always. I connect it with buying and selling real estate to dating all the time, right? And I talk about how your first impression is your last impression if you're not careful. And like you, you know, people, people hate being sold, but they love shopping with friends, right? Yeah. So you want to create as many friends as possible. And now I'm not saying everyone has to be your best friend, but I'm saying that you should have, you should find something in common, no matter what it is with everyone you meet, because that's where friendship starts. Even if it's like that, you both like white socks, like you have something in common with every single person on this earth. You just have to take the initiative and the effort to find it, make them your yeah. friend, and then explain the process. Because guess what? You are the best real estate agent in the history of the universe. Like if you believe that, then you will have confidence in explaining the process to them. You can go with these other agents. They'll show you 70 houses, but it's going to waste your time. And you're probably going to get something you don't like, and you're probably not going to be represented right. Or let's do the work now. Dude. Just one more comment. I know because I know Tristan is squirming because he has a question, but I love, I love that outlook because so many agents uh, attribute showing more homes to better customer service when in actuality you're doing your clients a great disservice you're wasting their time and they're just going to get frustrated with you the more homes they see because they're going to feel like you're not doing their job so everyone out there listen to ryan if you're not going to listen to us yeah well ryan diane mollison says i i have i've joined uh i've joined your course and oh diane you're the best i love you change your business i just put the link up there for everyone to to take a look at and i wanted to, you. to also note that throughout the book there's there's a theme and i'm not sure that you did it on purpose but i noticed that, <laughs> that a theme of failure and my trials no, 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 and tribulations no, no. no dude it's like you mentioned something that it's not in most sales books and that was that you always had doubts like about certain clients are like, is it going to happen? Oh, dude, I, I'm not sure if this one's going to like, for instance, when you said I started to think I wasn't going to find Sarah an apartment and yeah. I started seeing that theme over and over. And the question is, how do you keep your confidence up? Because we all go through that as real estate agents. We all have that exact same thought. Yeah. It's hard, man. Like it's, it's hard, but I would say the, the best thing and the worst thing about being a real estate agent, especially on the buy side, is for the most part, what are you really spending? 
maybe a coffee here and there, maybe gas money that you're going to spend anyway, right? And then your time. So that's what's your time worth. That's why I like to talk about expectations all the time and presenting myself as I am the CEO of all things real estate for you. Right. That's what I want all my clients to think. When they think real estate, they think they come to me. I'm the CEO. I'm the boss. Then I've got a team behind me that can help. And if you're listening to this or watching this and you don't have a team, that's totally fine. You are the executive vice president of all things real estate. That's how people should look at you because you are that confident, even if you've never done a deal, right? Even if you've done one deal, you're confident enough in yourself. That's what people are buying into. Like clients aren't buying into the fact that you've sold one house or you've sold a thousand houses. They're buying into the fact that you can sit in a room and you can look them in the eye and you can be confident about what you're selling because that's going to give them confidence, right? That's, that's dating too. Like you see, you know, I see all the time, these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful women with these guys that don't match up, (laughs) but, but like, like me, like me and my wife. Oh yeah. I don't know. Totally married up. Then you say, listen, okay, that guy's got a lot of confidence. He was confident. And guess what? He did, you know, the John Nash theory from Beautiful Mind, right? Where he said, you know what? We, we have, I've got confidence in myself. I'm not going to go after the one I'm going to go after and help my friends. And the, the more of us together to, you know, that combined, the more we're going to do. And that's, you know, the team thing. But um, the way I stay confident and happy every day is I know that I'm going to do everything I possibly can to help Sarah find an apartment. Maybe she'll never find it but at least she'll never find it with me, right? And she won't then go find it with somebody else. Like that's what I got to make sure she doesn't do. If the apartment for her just doesn't exist, which I find super hard to believe, but if it just doesn't exist or she's just not ready, she's not going to be ready with me, but I'm going to stay on top of her and I'm going to follow up with my follow-up system that I talk a lot about in the course and the book. And in three years when she is ready, she's going to say, you know what? Ryan showed me a lot of houses. He was awesome. He told me he was the CEO of all things real estate. That's what I remember. That was kind of funny. Uh, I'm going to call him back because (laughs) I need to find a house now and I really do have to move. And some of my best deals, my best deals have been with clients that I met six years ago, seven years ago, nine years ago. I talk about one of them in the book and it was follow-up, which is an email, which is free every other week for five years. right? And it's just part of the job. Like it's just part of the job. I'm sending someone listings. I'm going to do it anyway. And until he says, screw you, stop sending me emails or goes and buys something else and tells me, Hey Ryan, stop sending me stuff. I bought something else. I'm going to keep sending. And five years later, he replies back and says he was busy, right? He was busy. Sorry. (laughs) Now I'm ready. Um, ready to go. And that was a $1 million buyer that turned into a $16 million deal that in June turned into a $40 million deal in the Hamptons. Yeah, you have, you have a lot of stories like that in, in your book, which I think, well, here's the thing I noticed about your book before I get into that. It's very implementable in the sense if that, is that a word implementable? I don't know. I just made it up. I don't think so, but it is now. We just made it. Perfect. You can call your next book Implementable by Ryan Serhan. So (laughs) what I love about it is uh, your follow-up is on point. I mean, I know that because I emailed you and you wrote me back within five minutes and didn't even know me. Yeah, man, I don't fuck around. On a Sunday, mind you. Um, and so what I've noticed uh, is a theme of follow-up. And, and it's a, it goes a, along the lines of how Tristan and I feel, buy or die, basically. If someone yeah. doesn't tell you to sh- 
to F off, keep going. My favorite story, and by the way, if you guys don't know, Ryan was dead broke 10 years ago. So this book really takes you from the beginning to now. And everything in this book is just stuff that you should just be doing anyway. Just do it, right? It's going to work for you. I love the story about the guy who, when after Million Dollar Listing debuted, you thought everything was just going to blow up the next morning and be amazing. And you get a call from a $3 million buyer. The woman dragged you around town, didn't buy anything. And then you kept following up with this guy for like three years. Yeah. And he basically just emailed you, said, I'm ready or something along those lines. Yeah. 3 million turned into 37 million. And that's because you were just so diligent. So yes. let's talk about your follow-up, follow through and follow back. Yeah, the three, the three Fs. Fs. Let's talk about it. The three Fs. Um, yeah. I, I swear to you, it's, it's, it's really hard to teach as common sense as it is, but it's all about going back to basics. And it is the simplest idea, but it's what I built my entire business on. And just, you, you bring up million dollar listing and, and it's important that you do, because I do a lot of talks to brokers. I do a lot of these webinars. I, with this book and I got this course and I get a lot of feedback from people saying, I don't know why I would take your course or read your book. Cause you're on TV and that's how you get business. And I just want to say right now, if I got business from TV, I would not be doing this right now. Right? I would have made all my money 10 years ago and I would have quit. But when was the last time you picked up the phone and called someone you saw on TV? Did you talk oh, to Kim Kardashian yesterday? Yeah. You call her? No. 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 Right? People watch That's TV true. for entertainment and it's a great marketing tool for myself. It's great branding for myself. I get to do a lot of different things that I otherwise wouldn't do, but it, they're all relatively extracurricular and they're mostly tied to new developments. But just like that story, the next day I went into the office and I was like, boom, here we go. I was on national television last night. Millions of people watched it. Dude, my voicemail is going to be through the roof, my email, everything. I got one phone call from a crazy person. Right. Like that was, like that was, you got that was the schizophrenic it. down the block that just wanted to look at the inside of you. Yeah, beautiful. man, exactly. And so, and so, but what I did was I took it and I, I used it as a marketing device to help me open doors. Right. So that's the honest truth. Like I used it as a way to get into rooms that I otherwise wouldn't be able to use it with. And now agents around me are doing the same thing with YouTube. Like I created a YouTube channel and a vlog, right? I put out a new vlog every Wednesday and that's part of my follow-up system because I put that out there as a way of passively reminding people that I do real estate and I'm the greatest at it. And anyone can create a YouTube channel. The, the reason YouTube is so big is because people don't have television anymore. And the reason I created the vlog is because it's my hedge against television, right? Mm -hmm. Eventually one day, the 12 year old today that doesn't know what cable TV is, that only watches people on YouTube is not going to have cable when he's 22 or 32 or 42. So I've got to build that audience and everyone should be doing that right now. Like if you're not using YouTube and Instagram in some way, shape or form for your business as a realtor, even if you have 40 followers, but there are 40 people that are in your town that then know 40 other people, 40 times 40 is a lot of people right? And so mm -hmm. that is a derivative kind of drip making business model that just works really, really well. And it's all part of my follow-up thing. So follow up, follow through, follow back, right? Follow up is, is doing exactly what it is. It's making sure you follow up with everybody that you come in contact with and you stay on top of people because guess what? No one cares that you're a real estate agent. The only one who cares is you, <laughs> right? So I care that I'm a real estate agent and I'm going to remind you. Now, that doesn't mean you should harass people. That doesn't mean you should send emails that are completely baseless where it's like, hey, what's up? Hey, Ryan, <laughs> did you get my email? Like people send me that shit all the time. And I'm like, 
no, you, you, you didn't get the point. Like you don't send people emails saying, Hey, you ready to sell yet? Why would you ever respond to that? That's like, that's weird. That's like you walking into a bar and tapping someone on the shoulder saying like, Hey, you ready to go home with me yet? That just, <laughs> it wouldn't, it doesn't, maybe it'll Tristan, work at I, one time. Tristan, I told you, I told Tristan that doesn't work. Yeah. What but else? it's follow up. Yeah. So it's following up with everybody and having an, having a good list of the of the people you follow up with, whether you do it through a CRM, an Excel sheet, Google, Gmail. I use an app. Honestly, I use an app called Wonderlist. It's just a to-do list app, but I put everything in there and it's easy to use and easy to use with my team because I haven't invented a CRM yet that works for me. And it helps me remind myself what I have to follow up with. And then follow through is doing what you say you're going to do and doing it on time. I will tell you, the way I separated myself from a lot of other bigger agents when I started in the business was bigger agents were busier and they had a harder time with following through with what they told people they were going to do. Now it wasn't because they just didn't care. It's because they had a lot of shit to do. So they would tell somebody, yeah, no, I'm going to send you listings this afternoon. And then they wouldn't, but they would do it the next day or they would do it two days later, or they would call or they'd send a haphazard list because they got bigger fish to fry. But for me, if I said I was sending somebody a list of properties to review by four o'clock, I would send it at three. And then I would follow up at four. Say, hey, I want to let you know, I said I was going to send it by four, but I sent it by three um, an hour ago. Just check your spam box. Maybe you didn't get it, right? So that's follow through, doing what you say you're going to do. And then following back is going back to everyone you've ever sold to, the person you met in first grade, every buyer on every open house list once a month, just to touch base, like doing good follow back because those people, and I do this all the time too, now, like I've been in the business for 11 years, there's people I met in 2010 that I still have in my database who might not have done anything in nine years and I'll touch base with them. And even if they did, maybe they know somebody who is looking for real estate and they'll say, oh, weird. Yeah, a guy in my office, actually, his daughter needs a place. Am I allowed to forward your email to him? Uh, yes. Good thing I emailed you. <laughs> like that creates all of the business. Follow up, follow through, follow back. Real quick while we're on the follow-up <clears throat> and you, you touched briefly on some of the systems that your team uses, a, a theme that I see through the book is you're very purposeful with making like human contact, like belly to belly. You know, anytime you can get out from behind a text message or an email, you will. And so with so, someone like you who has such a huge business and a, such a large team, what are you doing and implementing within your team that allows you to be so dil diligent with the follow-up and just remembering to continuously stay on, on the ball with that? Um, I'm a big believer. Well, two things. One, that app I talked about, Wonderlist, that I'm not a sponsor for them whatsoever, yeah. but they've never paid me a single dollar. It just works really well. And I'm a big believer in helping real estate agents. If, if it's worked for me, maybe it'll work for you. And if you can become a better real estate agent because of it, I think it'll help the whole industry. So it's called Wonderlist with a U, not O. And I put everything in there. And I'm a big believer too in Inbox Zero and different folders for email. So if you look, and I can pull it up right now, like... I have my inbox and then I have subfolders. Oh, I have a lot of subfolders. Microsoft and Apple both told me that I have more subfolders than anyone they've ever seen. 
Um, <laughs> and that was, that was a win for me, but yeah. I've got, I've got one folder for active deals and that's where I put all emails about things where offers are out or contracts are out or deals just haven't closed. I've got one folder for active pitches. So that's new buyers, new sellers. Um, I've got one folder for admin tasks, one folder that's called answer when free. So that's stuff I can't answer today, but you know, sometime this week I can get to, I've got things for super important. I've got things based on different neighborhoods and I've got different folders for all the different listings and everything. That way I'm a inbox zero is a huge thing for me. And that way every morning and every night I clean my entire inbox because real estate agents, unfortunately, because our clients come from all over the place, live through email. And until that changes, that's how we have to do it. And that's how I stay on top of everything. And I go back through things like one thing I talk about all the time, and you know, it's and one thing I put in the book a lot and I put into the course, which if you haven't checked it out yet, ryansirhant.com slash course, you should go there as soon as possible. So help you God <laughs> is uh, to talk about structuring your day, right? Like I never saw a sales book that actually told me what to do at eight o'clock in the morning or what to do at like 11. And that's what's hard when you're a real estate agent. Like there's no boss. Like, what do I do? Do I go to the street and meet someone? Do I post ads? Should I go try to talk to other real estate agents and see if they need help? Do I go to church? Like, what do I, what do I do at two if I don't have anything in my calendar? And I, like, I, I really wanted to help people, so I broke it down. Um, and that's the finder keeper doer stuff that we can get to if you want to. But, yeah, sure. um, you know, I, I start my day the night before, right? So, like today, for example, is Thursday, September fifth. My day for me in my mind started last night at ten o'clock. Now that's for me. For you, if you have kids, you can't do that. Maybe it's 11, maybe it's eight. But for half an hour the night before your day starts, go through your calendar, everything that you did, make sure you touch base, go back, follow up with people that you need to, make sure you know exactly what's going on tomorrow, what your action items are, what you're going to do tomorrow, get everything set so that when you wake up in the morning, you're already 10 yards ahead from everybody else. And it, it really, really helps. Even if it's just half an hour of thinking because you don't have anything to do, think about stuff you want to do tomorrow because it'll save you time tomorrow. And then the next day you'll do it. And then half an hour a day that you save multiplied by, I mean, let's say you just do it five days a week. Let's actually do the math because I think it's helpful to do that. So 30 minutes, let's say you do it five days a week, right? So that's 150 minutes times four times 12, 72. So divided by uh, 60, hold on, I just want to do this. So because it always helps, right? Because it helps when you, when you tell people, hey, start the night before. They're like, man, okay. But if you tell people that doing that will actually save you 120 hours worth of time, which equates to five fucking days, oh, right? Wow. A half hour a day that you do at night just to prep for tomorrow, I swear to you, is going to save you at least a half hour tomorrow in kind of getting ready and figuring out what you're going to do, right? You multiply that five days a week, throughout the year, that'll save you five days worth of time. Imagine what you could do with five more days in your life. Like that, that kind of stuff like motivates me and says, oh shit, I am going to actually do this work now. So segue into finder, keeper, doer, because you brought it up a little bit. Yeah. How does that, how does that play into your world? Finder, keeper, doer is my, is my lifeblood. It is, you mentioned I was broke when I started. I mean, like I was super broke. Right. Like it was 2008. It was the summer of 2008. I'd run out of money. 
I could have gone home to my parents. Like I wouldn't have been homeless, right? I could have just moved out of New York City, but my parents weren't willing to help me. Um, I was the idiot who said, I want to go to New York City with no job. (laughs) And so I had to figure it out. And I didn't want to be a bartender or a waiter or do temp work. I didn't want to do anything else. And my friend told me to get into real estate. And I did. So I got my license. And that was the day Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy. So that was day one. And, (laughs) you know, I, and then no one told me what to do. So day one, every real estate agent in my office quit because I, I, I didn't know them. I just watched them leave, right? Within that, those first two weeks because life changed. Yeah. No one was buying real estate at the end of 2008. Like I, no one could afford it. And a lot of people were losing their jobs. For me, hindsight's 2020. I had no money. <laughs> like I, <laughs> like this, this, this was my, my upswing, right? Like, all right, sweet. I'm a real estate agent. Let's do it. I'm going to help you find a home. Oh, you just got fired. Oh, that sucks. New York must be a really, really tough place. <laughs> and so I, you know, all my first deals were really, really hard, but there was no one to tell me what to do at 9am or what to do at 12 or what to do at three. And then I would see other real estate agents who are busy, 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 busy. And then you'd ask them, okay, well, what did you do last week? And they couldn't remember. Oh, they showed this person. And then uh, uh, Wednesday, I can't remember, but uh, Tuesday, I had that pitch. Oh, shit, I need to follow up with that person. And then Monday, I took my kid to the doctor. What else happened? Uh, it, this week, I'll be more on top of it, right? That is 90% of the agents out there because they don't have plans and they think it's too complicated, but it's not. Like, you have a calendar, it is in your phone. If you don't have a smartphone, you can go to a pharmacy and you can buy a desk calendar, okay? And it's paper. If you can't afford a desk calendar, you can get a, uh, a piece of chalk, right? And you can go out into the pavement and you're going to write yourself a calendar. I, I, I'm kind of being funny, but you'd be surprised. A lot of people come to me when I give advice. They're like, dude, I, I can't afford a smartphone. How am I supposed to do this? I can't follow any of your advice. And I'm like, okay, so then fucking figure it out. Like, get a pen and paper, get a pencil, like take some action here. Like, are you, are you kidding me? And so what I figured out to do is I looked at all these companies and I saw that they had higher ups and executives and they had CEOs that had their roles and CFOs that had their roles and COOs and back office people and this and that. And I looked at myself and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of my own business, I guess. I'm a real estate agent, but like if I want to make money and sell things, I should probably look at the people who do it the best and copy them. Like, let's just copy them, right? That's the best form of, of, of flattery, right? That was Apple's thing. You know, they copied IBM and there you go. There's Apple. And they just did it better. So you take the best and you leave the rest. Well, that's a good quote. Remember that. So I, my finder <laughs> time is like my CEO time, right? My keeper time is like my CFO time. And my, my doer time is like the COO. So first thing in the morning, and it is still in my calendar um, for the most part to this day, from 8 a.m. to like 10 a.m. is my finder time. I'm a CEO during that time. I'm trying to brainstorm how I'm going to do new business. Like, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to get new business this week? How am I going to generate leads? Because as a real estate agent, your only job is to generate leads. If you think your job, by definition, is to turn lights on or is to be a therapist or is to find people their dream homes or is to do one of the 10,000 tasks that real estate agents have, then you're wrong. And I just gave you the answer. Your only job every day is to find new business. That's with new people, new organizations. I'm literally doing it right now. I've been now talking for roughly 30 minutes to thousands of new real estate agents. And possibly one of you is going to refer me a deal between now and the time I die. 
in New York or Miami or California, and that'll be a great deal. And I did that during my finder time when I did the webinar with you guys. And so that's what I do first thing in the morning or depending on your schedule. Keeper time is figuring out how to be the CFO. So that's, that's the money behind the business. It's okay. I know how I want to get business um, and I'm going to do it. And it's going to be by hosting a networking event once a month and client drinks once a week. All right. During the keeper time, you figure out how you're actually going to do that and who's going to be invited. Right. That's, that's the back office stuff and actually taking action on it. So following up on what you just told yourself you're going to do, you know, how many real estate agents I meet who have huge ideas and they never acted on them and they just don't do them. Or how many people I say, okay, how many networking dinners do you do? Or how many drinks do you put together for your clients? And they say, ah, yeah, no, I know. I, I keep wanting to do that. Okay, so, so do it. Why, why can't you do it? Oh, it's too expensive. Do you know how much PAPS Blue Ribbon costs? Right? If, if you can afford to have a car, if you can afford to live in the United States, you probably have 10 bucks, right? In some way, shape, or form. Get get fifty cent beers. Get ten dollars beers. Make lemonade. Three year olds stand on the road and they do lemonade stands. Have a lemonade party and invite all your clients to your new tasting of your awesome new lemonade that you made. Why not? Like, don't create excuses. Create solutions, um, and that's what you'll figure out during that keeper time. And then the doer time is typically the rest of the day. That's when you actually put everything in action. You actually just go do it. That's the showing of the houses. That's the staging of the homes. That's painting the living room if you actually need to do it. It's doing all the work. And honestly, I set this up for myself, and the reason I still do it today because it makes me happier. Like one of the worst things I think as an entrepreneur and as a 1099 independent contractor, which most of us are, is you wake up and no one's telling you what to do. As freeing as that might be, it's also somewhat terrifying, right? Like, shit, I don't have a job today. What, what do I do? And so by putting this in your calendar, now I wake up, damn, I got to be in the office by 8 a.m. Or I got to be in my home office by 8 o'clock. I've got to do this by this time because it's what's in there and I should follow it. And now I just made up my own rules. Hey, Ryan, I just want to say that everything you just said is, I love that you're saying it, especially the part about your only job is to generate business. That's your only job. And real estate agents go back and forth because when you mention the word lead generation, they're like, oh, I don't have to lead generate. I work my sphere of influence. It's like, why is lead generation considered a four-letter word? You, you, you are in business for yourself. If you don't have a deal going, you're unemployed. Correct. So why, why is it considered such a four-letter word to, to almost every agent on the planet? I don't know because people, you know what? I, and I learned this actually. I do know the answer. I learned this on, um, so I did a, a show on Bravo called Sell It Like Surhant where I was helping terrible salespeople learn to sell better before they got fired. And it was uh, pretty eye-opening, but everyone I met, they had sales jobs, but they hated salespeople. They're like, well, I don't like to sell. I don't like pushing people. I don't like taking their money. And you have to just switch your thinking, right? Generating leads and actually selling is not taking anyone's money, right? You're not, you're not trying to convince something of something they don't want to do. You're helping them on their path to making a decision they were going to make anyway with the knowledge and information you bring to the table as a professional. They're going to buy a home anyway. You're helping them along that path to do it at a better time for a better price, right? And guess what? The benefit is that they're also going to do it with you. So you're not convincing them of anything. You're giving them your help and support. And guess what? It's, you're doing it for free. <laughs> like, you want to pick up the attorney and talk, you want to pick up the phone and talk to an attorney? It's not free. They charge you per email, 
right? You send an email. If I send an email to any attorney in New York City, I get a bill because I sent them an email. I, I, I work for free all day long until I'm successful. So I have no shame in going after new business because it's free. I'm not asking anybody for anything. I don't, no one pays me to show them apartments. I don't get paid to go show an overpriced listing. So like have some, uh, you know, have some respect for yourself and understand that what you're doing is what your job is. Your job is to go meet new people like a politician would, you know, you want the most people to know that you sell real estate or that whatever, you know, you sell whatever it is you sell. And that will go the longest way possible because the more people who know what you do, the better. It's the whole reason I agreed to do million dollar listing in the first place when everyone said it was going to be terrible for business because reality TV is trash. And I was like, yeah, maybe so. But if more people out in the world will know that I sell and that's advertising I can't afford to pay for, then who knows? You know, why, like, why not? Why would I turn down any opportunity to put myself out there? Do you have specific time slots, not time slots, but uh, time amount spent for finder, keeper, doer? Like, do you do four hours, three hours, four hours? Yeah, no, it's honestly, it depends on your day. Like, I don't want to tell somebody two hours, two hours, and three hours, because then they come back to me and they're like, oh, well, I've got to pick up my kid here. I got to go to the gym. I got to do this. I can't do that system. It doesn't work for me. So, Again, everything is an improv. If you have stuff in your calendar that is busy, you work around it. For me now, like most of my day is finder time. Like that's the way I've set it up. And eventually everybody should get there where most of your day should be just focused on generating new business because you don't need to do operations anymore. You don't need to go show apartments all day long because you have a team for that. And you don't need to handle all the, the, the keeper stuff because you have accountants and bookkeepers and admins for that who can come up with that stuff. It's your job then to come up with the ideas and figure out how to keep the train moving forward so that more and more people can get on, right? Like that's, that's where you want to get to. So for me now, it's like an hour for finder, probably half an hour for keeper, probably a little bit for doer, and then like more finder towards the end of the day. Like I'm, I kind of bounce around, right? But I really try to focus on being a finder. For most new people, you're going to be a doer six hours out of the day because that's just what you have to do. You, yeah. know, you have to start in the back office. You have to start doing the work. You can't afford to have somebody else go get that microwave. Like you've got to go do it. <laughs> I want to, I want to go back a little bit about how you added up all that time that you would save by starting your day the night before. Am I correct? Sure. Is that what it Yeah. Okay. I just want to go back. We're covering a lot of topics and it's a great segue into family, right? Because you, you have a wife and you have a, you have a, a new baby, right? Yeah, six, months. six months. So that, that time is really, really important that you're saving by doing that. And I want to talk about, we want to talk about how are you balancing or counterbalancing your real estate business with, uh, with your family, with a new baby? Um, I, it's, it's all about synergy. You know, it's all about the synergy. It's about finding and setting expectations with my wife, right? And saying, listen, I still have to work. How should we do this? So now, Right now, I am home every day as best I possibly can be for bath time. Like I have a six-month-old, bath time is a big time, and then she goes down. And then I can go either back out for a meeting or for drinks, or I can sit there and just clean up email. And I do it from home instead of doing it from the office. Right? Maybe it means I start my day a little bit earlier than before. But I don't sacrifice anything. I mean, sure, like I meet people who say to me, like, how, how could you not be there with your daughter all day long? Like, well, that's not the life I chose to live. And I also don't want her to know me as somebody who isn't 
a thousand percent committed to my career. Like I, I grew up with a father like that. And I think it set a really, really good impression for me. And I want the same thing for my daughter. That doesn't mean I'm going to miss important things. I'm there. I'm there for all the doctor's appointments as best I possibly can be. You know, when she starts training for American Ninja Warrior, I'll be there too. <laughs> um, you know, it's, and so then it's like Saturdays now are used to be my office days. Now they're their days. But my wife is very, very understanding and she knows who she married because expectations were set from the beginning. It's not like she thought she was marrying somebody who had a nine to five, like she understands. And a lot of times if I'm at home for too long, like things get weird. And she's <laughs> like, why are you, why are you still here? What's going like, on? Here? Ryan, get like, out. Go, what are you doing? go sell something. Like it's yeah. Saturday at three. I know you want to be in the office. I'm like, really? You'll let me go? You'll let me go there? I'll be right back. And I get to go and I sit in my command center and I get to clean up from the past week and prep the week ahead. So so you make funny. it work, but it's all about communication. Like any deal, uh, deals die all the time. Relationships fall apart all the time because of poor and dishonest communication. Mm-hmm. Like if you want something, actually say it. Like don't, don't pretend you feel one way because you think it's going to make someone else feel better. I promise you it never works out. Yeah. So Tristan has a team of 24 in Malibu. I mean, I, nice. I, and 22, I, run- I just fired two. 22, you just fire. Okay, well, listen, you got to make tough decisions. I, I run a brokerage in Michigan with 146 agents. And, Damn. you know, it's, and I have a sales team too. But I make it a point, like you said, I make it a point. I'm home every day at 6.30 for dinner and bedtime. And then if I need to, you know, jump on the computer and do some emails and stuff, then my wife's totally cool with that. So I love sure. that you just said that. And then, you know, we're all in on the weekends when we can, you know? Yeah. So... But everything's yeah, an improv, man. Just like you're, you said yeah. in your book, everything's an improv. I think Dude, everything's should. an improv. And I think too, uh, again, you guys talk to brokers all the time. You know, I talk to real estate agents all the time too. And a lot of them say, well, I can't do that. And it's okay. Well, that's okay. So then, so then, so then don't, <laughs> like, don't like you, you know, <laughs> if you can only work one day a week, work one day a week, but then you can't complain. Right. If you can't work nights or weekends, that's fine. Like, don't. There's no rules. This is 2019. It's about to be 2020. You know how you know how far in the future we are? Like, it is crazy. You can do whatever you want. But all I will say is there's a lot of things in life that you can't control. How hard you work and the hours you put in isn't one of them. So you can complain all you want about a thousand different things, but as long as you put in the work day in and day out and you work extra hard, you will by default pass other people because you will work harder than them. You will meet more people than other people. It's just, like, it's just by default. That's why I love this business so much. Not that I love houses. Like I'm not obsessed with shingles, right? Like I, I don't, I don't like fall in love with, with, you know, banisters and crown moldings. That was my next question. I'm glad you answered. Yeah. 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 No, like I, real estate is my widget, right? It's a widget. I happen to like it. I can talk about it a lot. I own my own real estate. I think it's fun, but I am obsessed with making deals and finding new deals and connecting those puzzles. And I'm obsessed with work. I love working. It makes my brain happy and it makes me happy. Well, one thing that you mentioned in your book that that stood out besides all of chapter five was that every product has a story. You just have to find it. And that, that really, that really captured me because in, in our group and in lab code agents, we see a lot of agents go and stand in front of their open house or their listing and just say, Hey guys, I'm at an open house and check out the kitchen and look how big the living room is. And there's no story that captures people behind what they're doing. Yeah. So 
Where did you come up with the idea of actually telling the full story? Because I, I love the stories that you told on the houses that you had here. Um, it came from I guess a lot of different places. Like, think back to what you were doing 10 years ago. Like, look in your calendar, right? Like, where were you in 2009? What was going on? You probably can't remember a lot of the details or facts about certain dinners, this, that, or the other, because it all just blends into the rest of the days. Your April 2009 was probably a lot like your March 2009, all things considered, right? Life events, not, not, not counting. But like maybe there was a weekend where something cool happened and you remember that weekend really, really, really well. You don't remember the events. You remember the story because that's how we live now, right? In the future, you live in the stories you tell about the past. And so when selling, it's the same thing. No one's going to remember like the paint color and the couch and the walls and this, that, the other. If it's really, really well-priced, guess what? That's the story. This seller needs to sell. They're taking a $200,000 loss. Boom. There's your story, right? Now, let me go show you the house. People love value. They love that stuff. You know, we were selling, we're selling a duplex apartment right now with a great garden. And there's an agent that was showing it for me the other day. And they just described it as a nice duplex. Look at the bedrooms, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, no, no. The story here is that the developer built this apartment for himself, which basically means that he built the building around this apartment, which basically means that this is the best apartment in the building. Now that's a story. That's someone people can remember. Now it's not just a duplex with three bedrooms and some cool outdoor space. Now it's, oh, wow, the whole building was basically built around this apartment because the developer wanted to live here and he wasn't going to compromise on his own space. Wow, that's really cool. That would be the apartment I'm buying. That's what you then remember when you leave. So every product has a story. Even if the story is just the price point or even if the story is something small, even if the story is someone else who came and saw it and they were crazy with 10 cats, like, oh, wow, that was the person who came through with 10 cats because they can actually live here with 10 cats. I only have one parakeet. I'll make that work. Like, there's a story. Why not? You know, as I was reading the book, it, 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 at first, you know, you're reading the book and it's, it's, a, bunch of, it's a bunch of really uh, fun stories about how uh, I'm sure at the time, you, you know, it wasn't fun because you were, you were broke, but there were lots of fun stories about, you know, how you were kind of making it through day by day. And then you talked about uh, your first big sale of over 8 million and you had to fly to Paris to get the contract signed and all Terrible. that stuff. Terrible. But it's a great, it's a great story. If you haven't read the book, yeah, pick it up. But as, as I was reading, I was talking to Tristan before we jumped on, the book is actually, actually really digs very deep into the psychology of how the buyer and the seller are acting and feeling throughout a transaction. And that's so important for agents to remember when they're dealing with people to understand the different stages of the process that someone's going through. And you say, you know, you can't negotiate with someone's wallet. You can negotiate with their feelings. That is such a, I think it's so important for people to remember that, you know, far too many times we're trying to convince somebody, you know, they should move forward, but we're not stopping to think about what they're actually thinking in that moment. And, and you, and you make it a point, you're like, Jordan, you know, John, John is in the fear stage, you know, yeah. get him on the phone and, and get him out of the fear stage. Like, you know, what stage they're in. And yes. I'm going to use that chapter to, in my next team meeting to really have my agents understand that psychology. Was that like a purposeful theme for you when you started writing? Yeah, because it's, it's, because no one else teaches it. 
right? Like there's all these books about selling with your personality, be yourself. It's all bullshit. There's books about how to sell <laughs> bananas. Like it doesn't do anything. And there's also books that are so macro in thought. That, like it's great. Cool. It's a nice a philosophical read about how to sell, or it's just a story about a bunch of other people selling shit and it doesn't make any difference for me. So like I wanted to create a course um, and a book that actually was helpful. And it was actually applicable to real estate agents in 2019 that really got into the minutia and dealt with things that I deal with. Like, remember too, that I, um, I, I'm an actual real estate agent. I'm in between appointments right now doing this, doing this podcast and webinar with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually sell things all day long and I have a big team behind me and this is what I do. So I see these buyers and these sellers all day long and I know how they feel. And you know, it, real estate agents just don't ask enough questions. Right. The best way to get to somebody and to see what they're really feeling, and I learned this with my wife, obviously, is you got to ask questions. And I think I wrote in there as well, there's a line where I say, you know, people don't, it's one of the secrets, right? The Sirhan secrets is most people ask questions to hear their own reply instead of asking questions to be able to respond. Like you all know those people where they're like, Hey dude, what'd you do this weekend? You give, you tell them what you did. And they're like, Oh, that's super awesome. Guess what I did. <laughs> like, they asked you the yeah. question just so that they yeah. could reply. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the best salespeople will always ask more questions. Like even just simply, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? What's going through your head right now? Talk to me. Like being a friend, right? It's, it's what I said before earlier. People love shopping with friends. Like talk to me as a friend. Don't worry about the deal, dude. This apartment, if you hate this apartment, you hate this house, let's not buy it. I don't want you to, I don't want you to hate me. <laughs> I don't want you to hate where you live. Let's talk it through. And then most of the times, a lot of people's fears and their thoughts and feelings are pretty simple and easy to get through. And there's things you wouldn't yeah. even think about. Like, yeah, I'm just nervous about, you know, my, my stepdaughter, she comes once a year and like, I don't want her to feel like I chipped her on her bedroom. It's like, dude, I didn't even know you had a stepdaughter, but good to know. Uh, let's talk about that. Okay. And that's not something that they would normally bring up to you because you didn't even know that there was the other wife. Like there's things that if you just <laughs> ask questions, people will yeah. give you all the answers you could ever need. Well, dude, a lot of agents that that are newer struggle through with confidence because they just haven't gotten there. And that's yeah. what we noticed in lab coats and just in the industry as a whole. On your team, what do you do to maintain that positivity, you know, that confidence and the production at, at, a, at a higher range? Yeah. You, listen, you have to remember what we talked about before. One, every day is a brand new day. It's the greatest part about being alive. Like tomorrow, someone could call you that changes your life. Like tomorrow you get a text from somebody you thought wasn't buying something and they just will all of a sudden. Awesome good thing you stuck around, right? Like every day is a new day and you got to get excited for it. That's why I talk a lot about too. Like the, the reason I say ready, set, go all the time is because every day is a race. I just don't know what I'm going to run. Like I, I run blind. Literally every day I run blind. I think I know what I'm doing, but today might be a sprint. It might be a marathon. It might start as a marathon, then go into hurdles, then become a sprint. Then I got to swim because holy shit, this is actually an Ironman. I had no fucking idea. And then it goes back to a walk, a nice graceful walk. Who knew? And that's what makes every day exciting. And then just focusing on what your actual job is, right? Like I said, when you take care of the work, the work will take care of you. The work will make you more confident. The work will make you happy and keep you excited every day. And the work is finding new people. That's how you don't uh, connect your emotions and your confidence and your days to deals. Because I used to do that, right? Like, oh, 
that lease didn't go through or, oh, they pulled out. Like my life is over. Sucks, dude. <laughs> like it's because you, you count checks beforehand and we all shouldn't, but we all do. Um, focus on what the actual job is. You know, the book is titled Sell Like Sirhan, but it was initially titled Balls Up because I say that a lot. Um, and then the publisher, <laughs> yeah. the publisher had a meeting with me and they were like, we need to talk mm-hmm. about your title. Because it was, uh, you know, it's the theory of just having as many balls in the air as possible, right? And all the balls will be different. You'll have big ones, small ones, and um, you can laugh about that idea all you want. But like, <laughs> it's, you want to keep as many of them in the air as possible and catch as many balls as you possibly yeah. can. And that's your job, just to go find more leads every day. That's the job. Right? Ryan, tell us about your course. Better. Where are people are going to go? What are they going to learn? Tell us what, what, you're gonna, what you cover in that course. Yeah, I just put it out two weeks ago, I guess, at the end of August. Um, it's ryansirhant.com slash course. It is everything that we've just been talking about. It is everything you could possibly know to become a real estate agent or to become a better real estate agent. And honestly, a lot of people are taking it who aren't real estate agents just because they want to learn how to sell better and structure their days better and learn how to be more disciplined and learn how to follow up. It's all the minutia. It's stuff literally that it's everything that I do to sell real estate in New York City. And I sell roughly $100 million a month. I do two sales a day. Um, And how I do that is in the course. And you might not have the same volume where you live, but I swear to you, you will up your production and you will make more money. I'm going to buy it. We're going to go in and do it. I'm just going to go buy it. So uh, read the book, do the course. Yeah, and watch Million Dollar Listing tonight, 9 p.m. on on Bravo. It's on tonight. I I think I don't even know what tonight's episode is. I'm sure it's painful. It's a painful season. The market's pretty bad here. That's so so crazy. Enjoy it. And yeah, connect with me on social. I love real estate agents. Put up all the links for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and your website. Thank and you. also the link for tickets if anybody wants to see him live. He'll be at Hyperfast Agent in DC in November too. So Yeah, and Tristan and I are going to be there too, so we'll get a selfie. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, Ryan, well, listen, this was great. We know you're a little busy today, um, so we're going to let you go, but we appreciate you taking the time and talking to us, and I know that our members, I mean, the phones and the and the internets and the Facebooks in LabCode Agents are blowing up, and, and that's nice. amazing that you took the time to be here with us. So listen, awesome. go on Amazon uh, or go to Barnes & Noble, get Sell It Like Sarahan. It's a great book. It's only 240 pages. It's a super easy, informative read. You're going to learn a crap ton of stuff and then go to ryansarehant.com slash course and learn a thing or two so we're super honored that you were here thank you so much thanks Ryan, guys i'll talk to you later all right Ryan, see you in a few months see you buddy. go Lab Coat agents podcast